Hello, and welcome to Mindful You at Naropa, a podcast presented by Naropa University in Boulder, Colorado. I'm your host, David Devine, and it's a pleasure to welcome you. Joining the best of Eastern and Western educational traditions, Naropa is the birthplace of the modern mindfulness movement. Hello, today I'd like to welcome Svi Ish Salom to the podcast. Svi is an associate professor of the wisdom traditions and is the originator and teacher of Kaduma. It's such a pleasure to speak with you today. Thank you. Thank you for having me. So is there anything else you'd like to add? That was a very short description of you. Anything special? Anything fun? (laughs) Put you on the spot, I guess. I think you captured the... uh... (laughs) Captured the, the relevant uh, <laughs> awesome <laughs> maybe in the course of the our discussion some interesting things will come out awesome <laughs> can't can't wait so i would just like to know a little bit about yourself like tell me about your spiritual practice tell me about your practices tell me what lineage you come from how you practice how long you've been practicing just a little bit about that i come from a an orthodox jewish background. So I grew up in the Orthodox Jewish community in Brooklyn, New York. I was born in Israel, but my family came back to the United States when I was an infant and raised me within the traditions of Orthodox Judaism. I come from a long line of rabbis. Okay. In a way, I was... How long is that line? <laughs> All the way back to King David, actually. What? <laughs> wow. Very cool. Yeah. You know, as far as we know, we, we do have a family tree that traces it back there. Oh, wow. But who knows? So I, you know, was deeply yeah. uh, immersed in that, not just culture, but in that practice. Mm-hmm. Um, and that informed me in a deep way and has continued to be the primary lineage to which kind of plugged into in, in the primordial sense. Okay. So I did actually train to be a rabbi in the, in the Orthodox path and served in that function for a bit. And over the years, my personal journey went through many twists and turns and while I don't, <laughs> like many of us, yeah, I think. So while I don't, I wouldn't consider my practice these days to be traditional exactly. Okay. Certainly not in the way it was when I grew up. I still feel that Kaduma, which is, which is my own personal practice and the practice and the path that I teach, is grounded in and rooted in the wisdom stream of that lineage that I was trained in. Very cool. Thanks for sharing. You say your practices are a little less traditional. How, like, in comparison to traditional practices, what does that look like? You know, like, what does a traditional practice look like compared to a practice that you do that is associated with untraditional? Traditionally, uh, Judaism is practiced by way of rituals okay by rituals i mean that in a broader sense it includes actual 
ritualistic practices, you know, that involve uh, ritual objects, but it also includes ritualistic prayer. Mm-hmm. That is to say, prayers that are based on a liturgy of traditional Hebrew formula. Yeah. Um, it includes ritualistic forms of study, so studying Torah in, mm-hmm. in a certain way. While I, I do participate in some of those rituals in the broader sense, my personal practice has shifted from one that is centered around ritual mm-hmm. to one that is more about integrating the direct experience mm. of presence of divinity, of reality, into everyday life. Yeah. So I think the rituals actually, their original function was to facilitate that kind of a process. Okay. But for me, I have found that there are more accessible ways for many people in our culture Mm -hmm. to access an embodied condition of presence in everyday life that does not require them to engage in these, you know, oftentimes complicated and inaccessible rituals Mm, that are relevant for someone in an Orthodox community, but not very relevant for, you know, 99% of the planet. So Kaduma for me represents a way to transmit the essence, the primordial spirit of Judaism yeah. into a paradigm that is accessible for anybody, really, of any mm. tradition or of no tradition at all. Yeah. I really like the accessibility of the information, the spirit, and using that in everyday life and not having a ritual that's like, you do that over there and then you come back to your real life. It's the practice is the life. Exactly. I really enjoy that. Exactly. Cool. So I'm just curious, how long have you been teaching at Naropa? And also, what was your path? How did you find this position teaching spirituality at Naropa? I've been teaching at Naropa for 10 years. Oh, cool. And when I started teaching here, I was a rabbi of a congregation, actually, mm-hmm. uh, nearby. And at that time, the... Um, well, Reb Zalman, yeah, who was one of our you know, great legends of mm-hmm. Naropa, Reb Zalman Shachta Shalomi, he was our world wisdom chair here, yeah, for some time. He was teaching the courses in Jewish mysticism and Judaism at that time. And after he retired, there was a kind of need for uh, someone to teach those courses, okay. We had a a wonderful professor, uh, Miles Krasen, who took over those courses for several years. And Mm -hmm. then when he retired, Naropa invited me to Mm. teach um, as an adjunct the Jewish mysticism course, which I did for a year or two. And then a full-time faculty position had been approved, and there was a national search for a candidate for that seat, which I uh, had applied for and was offered that position. So since that time, I've been a full-time sort of core faculty at Naropa. Nice. What is it like teaching at Naropa? You know, because we teach this contemplative model. We have uh, not so traditional 
class settings, which are really fun and really heart opening, um, enjoyable experiences and really small, intimate, one on one kind of base classroom, just engaging with each other. Like, what is that like for you teaching Jewish mysticism in such like a contemplative model setting? It's great. It's really an optimal way to engage these teachings and these practices. The Jewish mystical tradition deeply values and understands the contemplative dimension of the interpersonal dynamic. Yeah. So many Jewish practices, traditionally speaking, involve a kind of dialectical process between two people or between groups of, of folks. Okay. The traditional way that Torah is studied as a contemplative practice huh. is in pairs, actually. Really? Yeah. And also, you know, in groups. So when I'm teaching at Naropa, I employ many of those traditional techniques in a contemporary way, obviously, in okay. a way that is, you know, fits our students and our context. But it's a very seamless kind of mm. translation from the more traditional models into a more contemporary way of approaching it and yeah and i also aside from jewish mystical courses i teach a course on kabbalah and consciousness and also in contemplative judaism oh wow but also Those all sound fun yeah they're <laughs> they're really fun and uh i'm also i also teach a lot of comparative mysticism courses so there's a mm. course called religion and mystical experience where we look at mystical experience across seven or eight different traditions yeah as well as a graduate seminar like called non-dualism wow yeah where we look at specifically non-dual modes of perception both okay. in theory and in practice yeah in many different traditions mm -hmm. and have a chance to not just understand how these traditions view the non-dual mystical experience but also we we get to kind of play with it experientially, which is really mm. fun. Sounds like you teach all the classes I want to take. <laughs> yeah, all join fun. us. <laughs> I'd love to, actually. You spoke a little bit about Kaduma, and I know you have a group called the Kaduma Institute. Can you just say what that is? You know, then we can dive a little deeper into, like, how you function with that, what do you teach? The Kaduma Institute is an organization that was established a few years ago to support the Kaduma teachings. So Kaduma is a teaching that I began to introduce to students about four years ago. Okay. And this teaching or this path is the path of the primordial Torah. Kaduma is a Hebrew word that means primordial. Okay. Or ancient. Is Kaduma the actual teachings or is this a word you extracted from the teachings that you're calling it that? Kaduma is a word that is found in the ancient texts. Okay. And it's a word that I've extracted from those texts. Okay. And have given as the name of this set of teachings that okay. I've, cool. that I've yeah. been kind of guiding people in over the past number of years. Okay. Yeah. Is that... Does that make sense? Yeah, that totally makes sense. <laughs> well, because I wasn't sure if Kaduma was like teachings, the Kaduma teachings, or if you took that word and then you morphed it into your own Kaduma teachings. So that's kind of yeah. I, I would say I would say both. 
Oh, okay. Kazuma is like a set that. of teachings. Yeah. And at the same time, I've taken that word and given it the name and situated it mm. in a certain kind of framework. So personally, I don't experience Kaduma or the Kaduma teachings as as mine, even though I have yeah. been the, the person who has been introducing them and presenting them to the world. Mm-hmm. So that's for that reason, I give it this name and relate to it as a as a teaching that pre-existed okay. me and my own individual yeah. mind. You're the channel of the Kaduma. In a sense. Okay, <laughs> very cool. So you say, what did you say it was? It was the primordial Torah? Yes. That's awesome. Yes. Can you say more about that? Like, what does primordial Torah mean to you? So the primordial Torah is a principle that's found in the ancient Hebrew texts, and it's referred to as the Torah Kaduma. Okay. Which is where I got the name Kaduma from, the primordial Torah. And according to these teachings, these ancient teachings, the world was created through the vehicle of this primordial Torah. So the primordial Torah is not a text. It's not the Hebrew Bible. It's not an historical expression of a teaching. It is something more primordial it's pre-existent it's pre-creation and it's it's like a action instead of a object it's i would say a cosmic force or a cosmic principle okay that the text day that you know the holy one gazed through the primordial torah in order to create the world it is the interface between the infinite and the finite it is that mystery. Like that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, so maybe that's one way to um, to think about it. But a, a big part of the Kaduma teachings and the first few chapters of the book, the Kaduma experience that, I, um, that was recently published, mm. goes into a lot more depth into the concept of the primordial Torah and okay. shares some of those texts so folks can kind of see more clearly what this primordial Torah is pointing to. But really, the point that I think is most important for our listeners to understand Mm -hmm. is that the primordial Torah represents a state of being that is prior to our concepts. It's a mode of being present that is free from the thinking mind. Mm -hmm. It is our primordial original nature that is undisturbed and unconfined by conventional, historically conditioned modes of experience. Yeah. So when we return to the primordial Torah in this teaching, when we, in the Kaduma path, we are, in a sense, returning to Mm. that original, pristine state of consciousness. Yeah. And that's really the most important teaching of the primordial torah awesome thank you for sharing (laughs) yeah i love this this is good (laughs) stuff so i think so (laughs) so when what is it that you teach like you have this institute that you started and you're the originator of so it's like you started it you teach it we talked a little bit before and it sounds like you do retreats it sounds like you do 
week-long sessions. Can you just tell me how do you translate this information to people? Yes, we offer through the Institute online courses, in-person retreats, and training programs. Okay. All of which are designed to guide a person through a journey from what we call a state of contraction, which is more the usual state of mind. Concept mind functionality. Exactly, yes. Uh, What we call a kind of a way of being imprisoned by our historically conditioned Mm -hmm. identity and range of experience. That's what we mean by contraction. Like we're kind of oftentimes... Most of the times, for most of us, we are operating within a very confined range of experience. Our parameters have been closing in on us. Exactly. Yeah. And some traditions would, would, you know, refer to that state of being as a state of suffering or, you Mm -hmm. know, kind of this basic condition of human suffering. And we do see the state of contraction as the source of human suffering. So in the Kaduma teachings, we have a very clearly outlined path of how to move yeah. from the state of contraction, where we usually find ourselves, into a state of expansion, mm. where we're able to become more free from those confining, uh, limiting elements of our mind, ultimately to what we call the journey of wholeness, which represents a more complete integration of our personal history with our realization of our essential freedom and expansion all the way to deeper states of mystical knowing we call the journey of vastness and ultimately the journey of freedom. So we have these five journeys that we use as a model and these are based on Kabbalistic teachings. And in Kaduma, basically all of our courses that we offer our retreats and our training programs are designed to walk a person gently but clearly from their state of suffering toward a state of freedom. Yeah, I really like that. There's, There's something really cool about understanding the journey so well that you're able to guide people through it. And in Buddhism, realizing there's suffering and it's here, it's happening, and we could shift in a way that we see it differently, we respond to it differently, and or we take it out of our lives in such a way that we're not producing it for others or ourselves. And then from there, then we vibrate the experience a little bit harder and you just keep going. And it just sounds like a really nice experience to go through. Is it a lifelong practice or like, you know, you take a retreat and you're like, oh, cool, thanks. (laughs) (laughs) Thanks for that. I would say there's different levels of engagement depending on where a person is at and what they're available for and what they're interested in. So we have more introductory gateway level opportunities for people that they do have profound experiences of of opening just through um, an online course or through a weekend teaching. But really... Because Kaduma is oriented toward living a life, a full life in the world. It's not a monastic path. So we see life as our monastery. Life is our temple. It is our ashram. It is our practice. So Mm -hmm. 
it is a lifelong journey in the sense that opportunities for realization and for discovery are endless, are infinite, <laughs> and yep. they're as endless as life mm-hmm. is endless. So we don't orient to a particular state as an end goal okay. of the path, but yeah. we do orient to freedom as our birthright that is accessible to us. Mm. And freedom means the freedom to be fully accepting of and in intimacy with our experience, regardless of the content of our experience. Wow. Which means that while it's not a particular end state, Mm -hmm. it is freedom from the need for enlightenment or any particular end state. Yeah. And we see freedom as a higher value than we do enlightenment. Mm. Interesting. I like this. <laughs> yeah. And using using life experiences as your temple, as your compass needle to exploring yourself and exploring your spirituality. I really like that. So while we've been talking, you've explained that you've written a book and this was a a recent release of yours. It's called The Kaduma Experience, The Primordial Torah. And I'm just kind of curious, can we just talk about this a little bit? Like what inspired you to write this book? Where did it come from? Because it sounds like you've been doing the Kaduma Institute for a bit. You've been teaching Jewish mysticism. You have like a long line of family history with spirituality How did you get inspired to write this book and what did you write about, essentially? The book actually is based on the first set of teachings that I gave in, I think it was 2014, maybe. Okay. Which was actually just down the road on Grove Street, just a few blocks from here where we're sitting. (laughs) A few blocks from Naropa University. Nice. I knew that this teaching needed to somehow get out into the world. It had been incubating in my own consciousness for a long time. Okay. And so I let some folks know that I'm going to be giving a series of talks on this teaching called the Primordial Torah. And, of course, nobody knew what that was. And (laughs) I didn't even know at that point what would come out of my mouth during those talks. (laughs) Yeah. But I knew that it was in there and that, I needed to create a context for it to arise. So we met for 11 meetings. There were about, I don't know, maybe 30 or so folks who showed up for this series, Mm -hmm. many of them Naropa students and Naropa faculty. Those first talks represent the foundational teachings of Kaduma. And so the book is essentially edited transcripts of those talks. Okay. So the book is a representation of these of the first presentation and introduction to the Kaduma teachings and provides mm. a pretty comprehensive overview of the metaphysics and the practices of Kaduma. Okay. Where did the idea come from to start a book? You did these talks from the incubation of information you were sitting with and then you just did the talk and then you're like, this feels like it could be a book. And then you just wrote a book out of that or did someone suggest it to you? We, I gave the talks and then at that point, you know, there was no Kaduma Institute. There was no, there was nothing. It was just me offering this teaching. The experience of the group was such that 
there was a core group of those folks who wished to, to continue on this path. Okay. So we continued to meet pretty yeah. much on a weekly basis since that time. So for the last four years, the same group has continued to meet and the teachings have continued to to be presented in deeper and deeper ways yeah. and deeper, deeper experience. Okay. So a whole curriculum of the path okay. developed over the last four years. And at yeah. some point it became clear to me and to others that this thing is a real thing that is has <laughs> its own life and its own force and yeah. could be of benefit to others for whom it may resonate for them. Okay. And so the, the motivation to take those first teachings and put them into a book came out of my sense, based on the evidence that I was seeing, that these teachings you know, may resonate with others out there. And so yeah. it was a way to make it available. Awesome. Very cool. So it seems like in the Kaduma teachings, there's a lot of spiritual interdisciplinary. There's like this vast range of knowledge and availability to see things in multiple ways. How is it that you facilitate this vast range of teachings? Because it's not like, oh, do this and this will happen. It's be open and see what happens. Then you, you know, it seems like you, you give people tools to filter how they experience their lives. So it's like, how do you teach these ranges of that? I would say I employ a two-pronged approach to that. Two prongs. <laughs> two prongs, uh, okay. yes. One prong, <laughs> I don't know if that's prong the best word, but <laughs> is to cultivate directly the experience of presence, mm. of connection to being, to reality, Yeah. in a way that's not filtered through the conceptual mind. And there are time-tested practices that many traditions yeah. are you know utilize that are effective in helping someone connect to a more direct mode of experience okay with reality so we do employ a handful of those techniques yeah the other prong is to work with our psyche and with our personal history mm -hmm. and with our suffering directly in a way that allows the rigidity of our consciousness to, over time, begin to unwind and open more and more to the light of being, to that which is most true, most real, and most precious to us, actually, that oftentimes has been lost to our yeah. experience of life. Mm -hmm. And so... We want to both cultivate the direct experience, and on the other hand, we also want to work with ourselves in a way that permits that essential light to shine more clearly through this lens of our soul, of our consciousness. And so, you know, we employ both techniques, but also a lot of process work that mm -hmm. is really yeah. important in terms of integrating our realizations into our day-to-day -day life yeah we do a lot of group work a lot of interpersonal exercises um, a lot of meditation and of course the teachings themselves are also transmissions they are also practices 
So even as I'm speaking now into this podcast, the listener can relate through the conceptual mind listening to these ideas yeah. and concepts and approach it as interesting information or maybe not interesting information. But, or they can feel into the presence that is being generated through our words. Mm-hmm. And that has a different effect on the consciousness when a person orients that way. Yeah. So in Kaduma, we teach people how to orient to every single moment of our life from that more awakened state of presence. Yeah, wow, that's pretty beautiful. <laughs> wow. So I'm hearing this tools and techniques that are applicable to everyday life, everyday situations, yes. everyday moments. They're not this thing where you learn a technique and then you have to go sit in a room with an altar and pray and do these practices and then you go practice in the world. It's like the practices is the world exactly, and you get to show up in every moment. And how you're saying is like when we're sitting here talking, we're practicing how to say the words, how rolls off the mind and into the audio spectrum for people to hear. And then they can relate on the level that they're using their conceptual minds from. But I'm really enjoying how this is a practice that you can just go out into the world and you're not saying you're this or that you're just a practicing person of mindfulness and presence exactly yeah very cool every moment of life is the practice the world is our temple oh wait here's another one is our practice (laughs) it really life is a practice and the more you practice the more fun it is and the more fun it gets the more easier it is to practice and it just it's like less practice more fun you could say. Absolutely. And the thing is, is that we tend to be quite guarded in terms of our vulnerability to presence in Mm. day-to-day life. Okay. So we tend to relate to others and to the world from a very head-centered, thinking-oriented mode. You know, it's like our heads are leading the way. Mm Mm-hmm. And there's nothing wrong with that. We don't have a a judgment about it in Kaduma. But if that's the range of our experience, then it's just limited. Yeah. It's just, it's not the totality of who we are. Mm -hmm. And therefore, we're going to experience some degree of inner frustration, of dis ease, and of suffering because we're not living what we fully are. Yeah. But in order to include what we fully are, it requires our heart being open, our body being open and permeable to presence. And that is a process of learning how to do that, how to trust that that's okay, how to work with all of our wounds that we have around being open and Mm -hmm. permeable to the world, to other, to spirit. So it makes life so much more rich. Yeah. And also we recognize that it's helpful to have a teaching and a a path and a, and a community to practice this with, actually. Yeah. We can practice engaging with each other in these more open ways in a mm-hmm. safe context because the world oftentimes has not been kind to us when we have been open. So yeah. we, it's kind of like we want to rewire our nervous system to learn how it's 
it's safe and it's okay for us to be rooted in our own being and to be open with others in that way. Yeah, because you can just go out there and be like, I'm going to be open and just, just let it all hang out. And then somehow you get hurt and then you recoil back into the conceptual mind or not living from the heart. But if you have like a skillful way to live through your heart and you have techniques and something, you know, happens to you where it makes you want to recoil, but you did the best you can, then there is no reason to recoil. It's just like another learning experience. And I I really like the fact that you're developing a way to live through the heart and your body and essentially your mind. You're like kind of bringing them all together, interdisciplinarily playing with each other to live in the present moment and to decide in that moment where you're going to answer those questions, how you're going to live your life, how you're going to move through the space and interact with your community or whatever. Exactly. Yes. I would say to sum it all up in terms of the question of what, uh, in terms of what Kaduma is offering, many spiritual teachings recognize that it's all in the now. Truth is available to us most deeply in the present moment. And yet, for many people, it's not available. Mm. It's not accessible. We don't know how to do that. How do yeah. we actually live in the present <laughs> moment? Kaduma is simply offering one way, one method, mm-hmm. one path of how to live in the present moment. Awesome. I love that sum up. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Such Thank a you. good sum up. So that's our time. And I just wanted to kind of shout you out a bit. And so you have a book, you have the Institute. Can you just tell people where to find your book, maybe what it's called and how to find you online or whatever? The best way to find me online is to go to our website, www.kaduma.org. Okay. Can you spell Kaduma real quick? K-E-D-U-M-A-H. Okay. And on the website, you will find, uh, you know, links to everything that we offer, both the book, our online courses, our training programs, our retreats. We do monthly satsangs in Boulder, which are also live streamed across the world. So, and you can participate. We have folks from all over the world who Mm. dial in and connect with our community. So that's the best way. Awesome. I really appreciate you speaking with me today. It was a real treat. It's also really fun because you're my neighbor. So (laughs) it's kind of fun to just walk across the street and hang out with you. So that's awesome. Really appreciate you. Thank you. So I'd like to thank Svi Ish Shalom. He is an associate professor in the wisdom traditions and the originator and teacher of Kanduma, also the writer of the Kanduma Experience and Primordial Torah. So thanks again for speaking with me. Thank you, David. I appreciate it. On behalf of the Naropa community, thank you for listening to Mindful You, the official podcast of Naropa University. Check us out at www.naropa.edu or follow us on social media for more updates.